You're listening to the We Talk Seahawks podcast, a podcast brought to you by Seahawks UK. Stay tuned to our weekly episodes for pre-game and post-game shows, as well as fun and engaging discussions, and hopefully some special guest interviews along the way. Thank you for listening, stay tuned, and go Hawks! Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing very well. Uh, we start the season very well indeed on Sunday, 1-0 against the Indianapolis Colts. Very nice victory. We're going to be reviewing that game today. Um, joining me as ever is Pez. Pez, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. Good. Happy. Good weekend. Good. Happy for once. Good. I like to see you smiling after after a game. It's not often. <laughs> so, um, yeah. No, thanks for coming on again tonight, mate. Um, and tonight we've got a very special guest coming on with us again. Um, she's an avid Seahawks fan, massive Seahawks fan herself. Um, she's going to be going on her on her own route, doing her own podcasting thing in the near future as well. And I'm sure she'll she'll talk to you a little bit about that and, and get her, let you all know what's going on with that as well um, at some point during the podcast. Um, but joining us tonight is the brilliant Michaela Mattis. How are you doing, Michaela? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. No problem. Thanks very much for coming on with us tonight. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be going over the, the Indianapolis Colts game. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about players who've done well, players we thought maybe could have improved in the game. Um, we're going to be going over the first impressions of the brand new swanky Shane Waldron offence in Seattle and, and, and our opinions on that and how it all panned out and, and, and where we thought it worked, where it thought it could have been a little bit more refined going forward. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the offensive line, defensive linemen. Um, and like I say, we, we, we can't really go We Talk Seahawks podcast without mentioning Trey Flowers and the cornerbacks. Um, so we'll probably get on to them and have, have, get our opinions on them a lot. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll throw out any sort of like hot takes we've got after week one, see if our we dropped a few nuclear ones, as, uh, as Mr. Chris Phillips from the from the Ballhawks podcast described it last week. So we'll uh, we'll review our little hot takes and see if we want to make any amendments or go back on a few things. Um, so yeah, it should be another good one. Um, and we'll get started with players who've done well. We'll start on a positive. Um, like I say, it can only be can only be positives really from from Sunday 28-16 over the, a decent Colts team as well. So that was a a really really solid road win to open the season. It wasn't an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'll throw out an obvious one to start with. I think Tyler Lockett is is one of my picks for the game. Um, you know, you could probably argue that he should have won player of the match if, if you were giving out your, your type of man of the match, you know, man of the game type awards. Um, I the, the two touchdown catches were just typical Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett. Um, first one a little bit improvised on the catch, a little bit wasn't, I don't think that was completely how Shane Waldron designed it, even though we'll probably say it was because it's Shane Waldron and he's the new offensive coordinator and we want to big him up and everything. Um, and then the second one was just a just vintage Russell Wilson, um, throwing pretty much the length of the field to, to a, a lightning quick Tyler Lockett. Um, but I thought he made some really important catches other than the other than the touchdown catches themselves. Um, and like I say, just just a matchup nightmare for a little bit of a little bit of a banged up Colts secondary. Um, so, I, Michaela, I don't know what you thought about Lockett. I mean, are you, are you excited in terms of how he can be used in this Shane Waldron system going forward? Was there a lot of positives for you from from Lockett on Sunday night? I feel like there's always positives from Lockett, and the thing that yeah. I look forward to is that when Lockett has like one of his like huge games usually that means that next week dk is going to have a big game because people are like we got to compensate for for um lockett or dk so it kind of switches off yeah um in that regard but 
just he's just so great he's underrated in my opinion mm-hmm. i know people say he gets all the love everybody always says he's underrated but then why doesn't he get more like uh recognition in the players top 100 like yeah why doesn't he fall on that so um just super impressed if you saw any of my tweets on sunday <laughs> you know it's like all caps oh my god <laughs> um his that deep ball was beautiful yeah. Um, and just for the first game for that, just to see that, that's what you want to see. Like, that's what you live for is those, you see him launch and you're like, there's somebody open downfield. Yeah. yeah. This is going to be good. So that was exciting. Yeah. Like I said, absolutely. I, I mean, I was watching it with my, with my little sister who I'm trying to get into the Seahawks and everything. And she's even, even only in a second year of kind of watching the games, like you say, as soon as you sort of see Russell Wilson make that little trademark step forward in the cock of his arm you just think he's seen someone there is someone open downfield and you're just expecting uh you know a big sort of a bomb like that and and, and it always seems to be Lockett I know Metcalf gets his fair share of them but it just always seems to be Tyler Lockett um so yeah that kind of got our got our hearts going as, as we saw uh Wilson prepared to prepared to throw that one um so Pez, I don't know what you thought about Lockett and and a few of the receivers was, from Sunday I was watching it on Game Pass and yeah. uh, <laughs> I was watching it on my tablet, so I might not have had a better screen than like on TV. But when he cocked his arm back, I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I, I'm bit, still a bit scarred from last year. What we saw, <laughs> I was like, "Where is this going?" And then next minute, Tyler's just—he's just open. He's just yeah. like easy as that. And then, and then yeah. you—you like your heart goes down a bit, and you're like, "All right, yeah, we're back to good Russell Wilson." Yeah. <laughs> Not bad Russell Wilson, well, <laughs> poor throws and stuff. So, yeah, I said it last week. I, I think he's going to benefit the most. I think Tyler's going to benefit the most out of anyone on this team. And mm. if anything, it, I don't even know if DK might, like, do you know how last year, like Michaela said, it was like one and then the other, one and yeah. then the other. I just think Tyler's going to do it into the point where, and hopefully it doesn't happen until the point where he might get pick up that little niggle and injury, and then DK is gonna have to take over, just because I think the way what they showed us on Sunday it just suits Tyler to the to the ground. It's everything about him, and the best thing is use Tyler up because all teams are gonna do is go right. We need to stop Tyler because mm. just double cover DK. But then they're going to be like, right, well, we've got a double cover Tyler. And then that's when you can unleash DK and show everyone all his new plays. Because yeah. I think people might be shot by him later in the year. If, if, if you could, like, mediocrely use him without him losing his shit on the sideline <laughs> for not getting any attention and yeah. save him later on, I think it could be great. Because then defenses are proper, like, who, who do we go to here? Just single man them and hope for the best. Like, put your best guy on. Just yeah. Put your get best guy on them too and just pray. Oh yeah, like I say it. And the thing about it is that just always baffles me. It's not a complicated route that lock it. It's just a simple post route, just simple go route, whatever you want to call it. Um, but just a quick drop of the shoulder, and he, and he, he gained probably five or ten yards, like sort of separation from from the defensive back, and it's just. I don't know how he does it. Like it, it, it's one of those players that, like, say, McKellar and, and everything. Like, he, he is so underrated by the rest of the league outside of Seattle, really. Um, but it's not really for doing anything sort of 
I'm not going to say nothing special because, of course, he does do things special. His, his, his catch rate, he doesn't drop passes really. Um, but he just, he, you know, he's not, like you say, one of these sort of guys who runs the most amazing routes. He doesn't have the most, you know, he's not the biggest receiver, but he's just he's just so reliable. Um, and he just complements Russell Wilson's style of play to perfection. And like you say, Pez, he's just an absolute matchup nightmare for the defensive backs. And, and, and I don't think the, the Colts secondary with the injuries to Xavier, Xavier Rose and, and a few of the other guys back there helps obviously in the matchup, but he's just such an impossible guy to cover. Um, but one one guy I do want to pick out as well because I thought he had a obviously he, he had a touchdown in the game as well. But I thought there was glimpses of what he could possibly do in this in this system was Gerald Everett at the tight end. Um, I thought he like I say he, he he's just a hybrid receiver tight end as, as we've talked about a little bit before. But he he blocks he he, he catches he, he can make he can make runs and and, and make route runs and he I mean I, I don't know what you thought on him Michael as well, but I just thought. Russell's never really had a long-term tight end in Seattle. Obviously, he's had sort of, you know, Zach Miller and Jeremy Graham and obviously Luke Wilson, who's retired recently. Um, and, and sort of, obviously, now he's got Will Disley, but he's never really had a sort of guy who he can completely rely upon and sort of, you know, just go for like a, a thousand-yard type tight end, really, that he's never been able to, to throw to. And I, and I just think that Gerald Everett... I'm not going to say he's already going to be a 1,000-yard tight end, even though I did sort of drop that hot take in the last podcast that he'd lead the tight ends in receiving yards. And then I remembered that Travis Kelsey existed and I probably should have gone gone back on that then. Um, but yeah, it, it's I just think he's got the real potential to be our sort of, or Wilson, should I say, first real sort of like 1,000-yard consistent tight end going forward for the next couple of years. I mean, how excited are you by that signing? And did you see enough sort of glimpses in that game to, to make you think that Gerald Everett could be this you know long-term tight end for Russell Wilson? I do. I think that a huge part of something that I do love from Waldron's new offense is that you're going to be involving the tight ends a lot more. Yeah. So you saw Will Disley have some catches and, and so, and obviously Everett, mm. I think that defenses are going to be really struggling because whether it's Lockett or DK that maybe they have as a wide receiver, this big game, but then you're going to have these solid go-to tight ends. You're going to have mm. them on the field. I think it was like 70% of the mm-hmm. time there's tight ends on the field, which if you compare it to last season is like drastically different. Mm. And I think that's really going to change our offensive game quite a bit, um, especially for the run after uh, catch game. Gerald yeah. Everett's going to dominate in that. You saw there was a glimpse of it. You There was a really great run after catch that Everett had, and I think it got called back for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm I'm ready for that. I'm ready to see that happen. Um, mm. But really excited about this offense. So. Yeah, I mean, like you said, and a guy you, you picked up on, on previous podcasts as well is, is a guy called Colby Parkinson, the, the second-year guy out of, out of Stanford as well. And when you think you've got him to add to the mix as a real sort of natural you know, red zone type weapon. And then, and then you've got, you know, you, you will Disley, who's more of you just sort of like, if, if you need five yards in, in a third and five, you can just throw it to Will Disley and he, oh. he'll probably get you five or 10. Go on. I know you can't contain yourself, mate. Go on. <laughs> I was just really going to say about Disley. I was like, yeah, you've just, if he wants to throw someone on the ground, just get him in. Well, yeah, we, that, we saw that as well. And I, I, was, I was never, never really seen that. I was never letting it go too long down the podcast until we gave him a mention. That was unbelievable. Like, don't get me wrong, the defender was coming at him at speed, so his mm. momentum kind of helped him, but it doesn't even matter. 
that was that was the best thing all night. That was by far the best thing. Uh, it must I mean, have been watching videos of Derek Henry in the locker room <laughs> before coming out and like, let's go, let's have someone. <laughs> I mean, that did, was... that did get me off my seat. Like, I mean, like you say, it, it's something that you don't, I'm not saying he's not a physical tight end, but it's not something that we've become accustomed to really. We will just see them sort of, you know, shirking the tackles. But that was that was brilliant, that. Do you know what it is, right? It If you, I, I re-watched the highlights a couple of times and like, because mm. I was so happy with the overall game. I've watched it a couple of times, just looked at different things. One thing I noticed about us this year, what I don't feel like we've seen for a while, is the aggressiveness. Like, on offence, Disley yeah. did that. Carson, there was, a, there was a point where Carson could have like got an extra probably three yards. Instead, he found the nearest defender and just wanted to basically have a scrap with him. <laughs> DK did the same. He got that pass on the side. And most, like, obviously, most wide receivers aren't the shape of DK, but yeah. most of them would run for a bit until the defender came near him and then just step out of bounds. He mm. almost stopped, looked at the defender and went, nah, I'm going to go that route. That's, <laughs> like, that's the way I'm going to go. And it just felt like, it just felt like there was a, like, emphasis on aggression. Mm. on the offense as well mm. I, it impressed me really did impress me yeah um so i, I get michaela is there any sort of any other guys on the offensive side of the ball that you think deserve a mention that really caught your eye that we haven't talked about yet um i do the will disley he de, he deserves credit yeah. for that so i was watching it too i think i stood up i was like oh my it was just like a grown man like yeah. just just the whole like it's in slow motion i don't even know if it gives it credit in slow motion as much as it did like live action just seeing that play out but that was awesome um of course just russell wilson just being yeah. on point he's been so on like so focused this off season i think it's really showing the thing that i'm hesitant about is that you know we were the offense the first eight games last season this is a huge talking point that i'm sure um you guys have covered at some point but the first eight games last season the offense was fire, right? Mm -hmm. We we're all excited. It was fire. And then we didn't adjust to when a defense started started to adjust to what we were doing. And then mm -hmm. our defense is like lights out the second half of the season, even though they're struggling. So I'm hoping that they can stay consistent and that they have so many different plays and ways to change things up every game. Um, you know, so I, I like to tread with a little bit of like optimism, but caution, just like, Let's see how things continue to unravel and how they continue to progress. But Russell Wilson, I think um, him and Shane Waldron are a really great duo right out the gate. Mm -hmm. um, this is year one with this offensive coordinator, and, and they showed out in the offense the first game. So I'm really excited about that. And I do want to just take note on you talked about the aggressiveness of the offense. Let's talk about the hurry up offense. <laughs> Wilson has Wilson has time on the line to actually see what the defense is showing and to make his adjustments to call if he needs to call a different play or audible or whatever he needs to do. But let's talk about that time he has and how quick they're going and how that tires up out a defense. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. I, I, sorry to put in, Jade. No, no. I watched his I watched his warm up and I I messaged my brother um and I said have you not watched him warm up? He looks, 
his whole warm-up's completely different. Like the last couple of years, he has this routine. He's got his headphones in and he's just kind of launching passes to DK and just warming his arms. But I noticed he, he's, he was on his toes all the time, like mm. ready to receive the ball, ready. And before he even got the ball in his hands, he was bouncing on his toes, ready to go. And it's mm-hmm. almost like, like Mikhail said, it's the emphasis of that hurry up and the quickness. And it's about it's about bloody time, isn't it? Like oh, yeah. you give Russell you give Russell Wilson five seconds on the clock to try and read what the defense is doing. You you give him seven seconds, and mm. he's going to be able to tear him to pieces. And you saw it multiple times. Like mm. and before Mikhail, I was going to say when you said about obviously the hesitation to get overexcited about the offense. I personally say I was quite impressed with the team as a whole. Um, obviously, we're going to go into defense, but just mm. to bring them into it, because personally, everyone's like raving about the pass rush and the pressures and things like that. I thought the first half, me and my brother were messaging. And if you want to see, hear someone on the air of caution, have a conversation with my brother. He's... <laughs> Like he's something else. <laughs> he's something else when it comes to uh, over exaggerating negatives. But I thought, like the first half, I thought I was like, "Oh, this pass rush and the pressure," and I was just a bit. They look slow. Like they get in the backfield with Carson Wentz. My over was one time because I was like, "Who the hell's number 10? Like, who's this guy?" And I was like, "All oh, right, okay." And he got in the backfield and he almost stood there, like looking around, like, "All oh, right, I'm here, am I?" And I was just like, go and get him. He's there. <laughs> what are you doing? And I was just like, oh, I don't know if I like this because he had so much time in the first half, Carson Wentz. And me and my brother said, right, this is going to show now. Can he make them adjustments at half time? Is Ken Norton actually good enough? Mm. And they, and they made the adjustments because I think all the pressure and things came in the second half. And then to bring it back to the offense, it's like that third quarter, like... I'm not going to bring him up in a negative light, James, before you start having a go at me. Go on then. But I felt that that third quarter screen, Pete Carroll, like it almost it almost seemed like he went, oh, we're up by 10 points. Shane, Shane, Shane. No, no, no. Let's run it. Let's 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 see how much clock we can burn. Let's have some fun. And it's just like, ah. Uh, but normally when they do that, it bites them in the arse. Mm. But in the fourth quarter, when it wasn't going right, Mm. they managed to switch it back on. Yeah. And to me, that's a massive indicator of a good positive change. Yeah. That they can do that horrible time-wasting clock management stuff and mm. then still switch it back on. Yeah. Without Russ having to save the day, you know, winning by three points or seven. Yeah. No, you're right. Because, like I say, I think the offense, like I say, was on fire in the, in, the, in the first half and, you know, we were all sort of, you know, really licking our lips, rubbing our hands, thinking, you know, this is the, the new look Shane Waldron offense, this is how it's going to be. And then the third quarter came and we it was still sort of like a two-score game and we were keeping it close. We kept, you know, the offense couldn't really move the ball. And you thought, and as you say, uh, it kind of brought back, you know, bad memories of poor Seahawks offense and just stalling and not being able to finish teams off and 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 you know keeping games unnecessarily close and it just you just thought going at that fourth quarter you, you you just you could tell all we needed was that that touchdown to take it to twenty eight points and we would all be pretty confident and obviously we did that that we'd go on and win the game and and it just felt that. It was just stalling and stalling, and like and then like you say, it just sort of they realised that you know we if we keep 
you know, our foot on the gas with this sort of high tempo, high pressure offense that this, especially the Colts anyway, like, like I say, with that banged up secondary, they couldn't deal with it. They couldn't match up with Lockett, Eskridge, obviously before he got injured, uh, Metcalf and, 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 and Everett and everything. They just couldn't match up with them. Um, but like I say, bringing it back to Russell Wilson, I think we were all a little bit, even though the whole sort of, you know, off-season drama got sorted because Wilson sort of, you know, you, you, you go and get Gabe Jackson, you go and get Gerald Everett, you go and get Shane Waldron and sort of Wilson's got a smile on his face again. But we're all still a little bit, I think, I know I was anyway, sort of interested to see how Wilson would be sort of mentally and how he would look in terms of, you know, week one. Would he be fully focused? Would he be, you know, absolutely ready to go? Is he fully committed? And I think I think he's answered all them questions, like I say, from the warm-up to how he played in the game. He just, if anything, he looked even more fired up than than ever. I mean, there was a certain, I, think, I can't remember from what play it was, but I don't think it was a touchdown play, but like the, the cameras cut to a, a, a little video of, of Wilson sort of on the field, just like, like fist bumping and, you know, just getting so motivated, even though it wasn't a touchdown, just sort of so fired up that this, it's almost as if he was like, yes, finally, like, I've got time to throw, I've got a tight end I've got an offense that suits my style of play like finally I feel like the Seahawks have listened to me and it, and it's working a little bit um but and, and like you say Michaela the time so the offensive line I thought were fantastic um I know I've seen a few sort of little bit dodgy PFF grades of certain guys that you know you, you can read into it as much as you want but you know giving like Ethan Porsick like a 6.6 passing block rate and and just guys like that and then sort of I just don't understand it at times, but I thought the offensive line in general, you know, with a, even even Kyle Fuller, I mean, you know, Wilson only took two full sacks. I can see you grounding already, Pez, but even even though Wilson took two full sacks and, and he's going up against the DeForest Buckner, which is, you know, on one of the best alongside Aaron Donald, one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. So I think as a whole, the offensive line looks... Uh, looked like the offensive line from, like, say, the first half of last season. So if they can, and obviously we all know how that happened, sort of like, say, Mikhail, the second half of the season came and it, the offense started to, to fade away again. But I think the offensive line gave Wilson that time and gave the time for that high tempo sort of standard of play to, to really, to really you know, show the fruits of, of, of the benefits from it uh, um, on Sunday. Um, so I just think, and Dwayne Brown especially, the left tackle, but... You've got something against Carl Fuller, haven't you? I could see as soon as I mentioned his, his his name, I saw you sort of frowning a little bit. Go on, were you not happy with him or something? No, I just think Posey Fuller just a bit. Mm. Mm. Well, they're not anyone's ideal centre. Like Michaela, wasn't it? Didn't you tweet after the game about the centre position? That is a bit of a problem. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a problem, but I also apparently hold very high standards and expectations for <laughs> every single player on the team. Um, is so you what should. So you should. Uh, I just, I'm really curious putting Dakota Shepley out there. I want to see. I want to see mm-hmm. Dakota Shepley. It, at this point, I don't think he could be any worse than what we have at center, but he could have the potential to be better. So, mm-hmm. I just want to see him out there. Posick can't stay healthy. He had a whole lot of potential. I know that he's been had flashes in games where he's been solid, but he can't stay healthy. Mm. It, there's always something that he's yeah. battling and it's not that's not I mean it is what it is, but yeah. I think they need to they need to invest in a center because 
that that's your guy. Like Kosick got lit up and just beat, and that's what one of oh, the sacks yeah. that wrestled just like, had that was ugly. That was ugly. So that's my opinion. Yeah. And so James, I'll throw it back to you quickly. Go on then. So you're talking Kyle Fuller and Pulsic. Mm. So Titans, the defense isn't that great. Mm. Vikings, they didn't look great against mm-hmm. Burrow. They got some pressure, but mm. the Bengals, the offensive line is a bit crap. And then so I'll chuck it to you now. So what's this week four? Yeah. Right. You've got the 49ers, mm-hmm. the Rams, mm-hmm. the Steelers, and then the Saints. Mm. I can 100% guarantee you by the time we finished at week seven, you're not going to be saying <laughs> Kyle Fuller or even Paul Sick. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm probably not. But I just thought in, in the first game against the Forest Buckner, I thought they like I said, to take on the full new offensive system, it was brand new. It was, it was a tough defense to play. I thought the Colts' defensive line is better than people, you know, give it sort of credit for. Um, I, I just thought, like I said, I, I think it would be unfair to sort of come out in week one and say sort of Ethan Posit and Carl Fuller were, were awful when they probably weren't. Like I said, yes, we could do better at the centre position. It is the glaring weak spot on the offensive line, but I think. I'm just in the camp of giving credit where credit's due. I thought they dealt with, although Buckner got the sack and it wasn't particularly pretty, but I just thought in terms of the whole 60 minutes, I thought the offensive line was very, very solid. Um, and, I, and I thought they, they matched up with it with the Colts defensive line pretty well overall. I think this is the most passionate I've heard you. So, um... <laughs> what, on the, on the offensive line? Yeah, because they're awful. No, no, Normally. in general, that speech you just gave was uh, impressive, mate. Was it a Friday Night Lights esque or was it not not going that? No, no, not no, that good enough yet. No, it's week one. Calm down, James. Fair enough. Um, anyone on the offensive side of the ball that we thought could have perhaps provided more, or is it absolute? I'd like say uh-huh. aside from the centre position. No, 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 no. Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny. Oh, just, here we go. He just, just like nothing against him because I loved what he could have been. Hmm. But. Come on, man. Come on. Well, again, it just, he, he, he can't him, stay healthy. They're giving him the whole off-season. Mm. Like, the, a quarter of last season, the whole off-season, to get himself going. Mm. And to me, honestly, I read in between the lines of Pete, the whole IR situation with Penny, I, I actually think he's doing him a favour. Mm. Like, in the sense of, I'm not going to push you because then if I push you, I could destroy your whole career. Mm. Whether anyone will pick him up again, because I can definitely, unless he has a magical turnaround, I definitely can't see the Seahawks bringing him back. And I can't see anyone at the moment in time seeing anything. He's not He's not shown enough mm. to grant it. And I just think Pete now is preserving him, get him some game time where he can, but just not destroy him. And then he can go into, to free agency and hopefully he picks up a team because mm. it's done it's done now in it like it, it feels that way because like you say it he just can't stay healthy it doesn't seem to i don't even think he really sort of fits this sort of type of like you say aggressive he, he, he's, he's a tough guy but it, when you think of compared to chris carson i think if we're 
going to run a more aggressive, smash mouth sort of downhill running game. I don't think Penny particularly fits that. Um, I think Dallas does, and, I, and maybe even, well, no, probably not Travis Homer, but I think Dallas Dallas um, and, and potentially Alex Collins and, and Chris Carson would be the three running backs you would take in, in that type of offense. Um, Tra- but Travis, is, Travis is only there for special teams, isn't he? No? Well, yeah. Am I the only one who thinks that? Like, well, he never offers anything really in terms of when he's on well, the offensive snaps, does he? Well, Pete turned around and he said, like, he has a different style of running. Mm. And I don't... Mm, what, backwards? He's, no, he's. I'd say he's probably a poor man's Chris Carson, isn't he? Because he has that aggressive run style. Does he? I think so. He loves. He loves getting into it. He loves getting into a scrap. He loves getting it. Because he but, can't find the gap, so he has to. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so we're all in agreement that he's just there for special teams. Yeah. He he's had some solid blocks. That's like I think they literally keep him out there as a running back that mm. can block. He's gotten he's gotten blown up, but by protecting Russell Wilson, he he's sacrificed his body yeah. to give Wilson even a second longer or two seconds longer. So I think that's part of why they keep him. Um, but yeah, it's special teams at this point. But he can't find a gap to save save his life. He has to use his body. Like yeah. that's, pretty much. I love it. Hey. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to give him a little bit of dignity. Michaela just stamps him. No, no. get him out. No. That's what we like. Um, so anyone not named Carl Fuller, Ethan Porthick or Travis Homer then for Michaela that on the offence you probably maybe wanted to see a little bit more of? Maybe someone like a Freddie Swain who didn't get enough time or is there someone who just didn't perform in your eyes? Or It's hard to say. Like I liked seeing Eskridge. I'm, yeah. I hope that he gets better fast. It yeah. sucked seeing him go out, you know, mm-hmm. with an injury so early on in the game. Um but he has some speed. I like oh, yeah. seeing the sweep. I like seeing um, those plays. And I think that can really benefit us because it's going to keep defenses on their toes mm. to not only do they have to think about the deep ball game with Metcalf and Lockett, you're needing to think about the speed that you're going to have on the short game. And if we yeah. can do that early on in downs where you're gaining, you know, four or five yards. So it's second and sh- like medium or second and short, like, that's just going to keep us going, and that's going to keep mm. the clock rolling. I think that Carroll can have his I-want-to-own-the-clock games by some of this. Let's just take our time getting those first downs. Um, but let's just do it in creative ways. It doesn't have to be pounding the, the rock up the middle. It's just mm. let's figure out different ways to get that get those uh, gains. Yeah, I'm actually going to give some credit to Pete now. I just oh. thought of it before when you were talking. Save so, for this moment. In, I kind of understand it. Like, do you know the whole um, wasting the clock, like trying to burn the time by just doing his thing? In a way, I get it because we probably could have blown them out, like ridiculously blown them out, probably mm. by two more scores if they really in that third quarter if they really put the foot down. Mm. But then I did this. I just thought then that it's a bit like we said last week. Why use all Shane Waldron's plays in the preseason and give everyone the tape? So why go and blow the Colts out in week one? Because then you're in the territory of what Michaela said, where then you are worried because you're giving everyone 
and like I just named that absolute horrible four game structure we've got, mm. you're giving all your tape to them. Mm. Like the Rams is going to be difficult anyway because essentially they're going to know what he wants to play. So that's yeah. that's for me that's whilst we're on the offense that's probably the slated game what's going to show what Shane Waldron's truly about because he's going to have to do something different because they're going to have seen his schemes in their team mm. like you know on training and stuff so hopefully he keeps rolling and then that's the game where I'll wait and see yeah like I say, I, I, I thought DS, like I say, talking about a little bit about DS, because I thought he was, whenever I watch someone like the Chiefs or someone a bit like that, where they've got someone like a Tyreek Hill and they just sort of, like I say, run those type of jet sweep players, it was it was a type of, or part of our offense that I'd never really, or we'd never really seen that much of with sort of Lockett and Metcalf. And, you know, you, you saw it a little bit with Freddie Swain last season on, on a few type jet sweep and maybe a David Moore here and there, but... I just think that obviously, hopefully, he, he's healthy again for next week, or, or you know, as soon as possible. But a guy like D. Eskridge, although he'll, he will provide you, like say, that deep ball threat with, with his speed, I just think you can really use him in these sort of trick plays, these little gadget plays that will just absolutely certify and, and sort of just show the, the and push the limits of Shane Waldron's offense in a way that you know this this high tempo. It was a guy who was drafted sort of in in, in completely in mind with with Shane Waldron's new offense and and keeping Russell Wilson happy anyway because I think there was you know there was a, a few good centers available on the board that you know a lot of Seahawks fans were, you know like a Quinn Minerts who, who who was there available during the drafts when when we took Eskridge who a lot of Seahawks fans you know would have would have liked to see us pick but I just thought them to for them to ignore that to ignore taking the center with that first pick and to pick. A guy like D. Eskridge, a receiver who we all sort of sat back and thought, another receiver? Like, do we really need another, like a number three receiver when we really don't have a number one starting centre? And I just thought that the trust they put in D. Eskridge then and the type of pick that, you know, was made then just shows how much they're committing to this sort of Shane Waldron and this new high tempo offence that they just want as many people on offence who'll be able to to just create matchup nightmares and just run this high high tempo offense um so yeah I, I was really impressed with the offense um as a whole on sunday i thought like you say they, they stalled a little bit in in that third quarter but again i think that was maybe pete potentially trying to pick up the phone to shane was and say come on just let just let me run a few series just let me run a few plays it just couldn't help himself but try and try and manage the clock and then Waldron was able to to kick him out the uh, the offensive coordinator's playbook and and open his open his one back up for the fourth quarter and uh, and the offense came alive again. Um, so no, I was really impressed overall with the with the offense. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic and excited going forward um, for the rest of the season. I thought, like I say, with with Shane Waldron's first game as a as an offensive coordinator in the NFL in general. Um, I don't think he really ran too many bad players. I don't think there was too many sort of misplays or bad calls on the offense in in general. I thought everything was was pretty much executed to, to well, yeah, pretty much to perfection, really. Um, especially for the first game. So, yeah, um, we'll move on to the defensive side of the ball. Um, and again, we'll start off on a on a happy note again. Um, you know, is there, is there any guys? And, and like I say, I'll I'll throw one out again to start with immediately, and I can. Probably guess he's your guys' pick for the for the defensive player of, of the game would be Rasheem Green. Is everyone is everyone in agreement with that? Um, 
I, I thought no. he was. No, of course you are. You just can't. You just can't jump and follow the trend, can you? You just gotta. You gotta have something. Well, Go on. Who was yours? No, then? because. Well, Jordan Brooks is the number one guy. Oh well, there we go. Yeah, Jordan right. Brooks. But he's honorary. He's just like number well, one. Yeah, it doesn't he, matter what he does wrong. Yeah, just number one. But no, I chuck Brian Mulney in with Rashawn yeah. Green. Yeah, because some of the stuff he did was uh, yeah. Well, like when that. he when he flattened the center and put Carson Wentz on his ass, even though it was yeah. a, even though it was a penalty, that that was that was brilliant. In my, I, I was so happy that he did that. It doesn't matter even if it was a penalty because the result of that. Yeah. Is you got like, what is he like three hundred and fifty pounds? Yeah, and he's sitting on a frail Carson Wentz, <laughs> and he's just like, oh no! And then he's getting up for the next play, and he's just like, nah, I'm not having any of this. See you later. <laughs> well, I bet that knocked the wind out of him. To be fair, um, oh yeah, definitely. No, yeah, I thought I thought Brian Manier was, was fantastic. I thought you know guys like Ben Samayor were really good. Um, like I said, got a little bit confused as to number 10, like I say with you, I thought who on earth is number 10 and and why is, like, I don't know who wore number 10 for his last season. Josh Gordon. Josh, yeah, that's Josh it, yeah. Gordon flying around why the on, back. Why on earth is Josh Gordon <laughs> sacking Carson Wentz? But I was all there, I was there for it anyway, whether it was Josh Gordon or not, but um, yeah, so it, Michaela, was there anyone on, uh, on defence who you really want to give a mention to? I'll give a mention to Daryl Taylor. Yeah. Um, just... I'm really excited to see him maybe get some more time out there. But they have a great rotation going, right? You want to keep your guys' legs fresh. They have the speed. They have the energy. They can play. Like, they have decent, like, pretty good depth, I would say, to Mm -hmm. switch guys out there on the defensive line on edge. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like how they keep calling it the cheetah package. They're like, okay, (laughs) we got our guys out there that are fast, that are going to be off the ball. Yeah. Um, But Daryl Taylor, after not getting to play his rookie season, um, I've been pretty high on him, you know, even just waiting and anticipating for the season to come mm. and seeing what he can do. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to give a little bit of a shout out to Daryl Taylor. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic as well. I mean, that we saw the sack in the, I think it was the, was it the Broncos game where he got the sack in preseason where he sat, um, he went sort of up and up like that little like swim under the, under the move guy. And it, it just sort of, it, he already looks like he's been, pass rushing and like an edge rusher for, for you know multiple years in the NFL already it doesn't look like he's coming off the back of a you know a season ending injury in his in his first game in the NFL he looks absolutely you know no, I'm not saying he's the full package yet but he, he looks like he he really could be our next sort of franchise pass rusher if you want to look at it in that way um but I, I thought sort of I know we've talked about the the offense like say being high high paced and, and high tempo I thought that that translated to the defense. Like you say, I thought all the guys on the defensive line, even even Brian Monet, who I, I would not normally say would look quick and, and fast and, and athletic, but he, all of them just looked so quick and so fast and just so just so easy to get to the quarterback at times. It, I, don't, I don't know what you thought of it, Pez. Did you not see Al Woods like Superman? Even Al Woods, yeah. <laughs> that boy was class. I can't remember exactly what it was. I just remember this big unit essentially supermanning through the line. I was like, who the <laughs> hell was that? My brother messaged me at the same time, like, did you just see how what's that? And I was like, yes, <laughs> I'm loving that. But it's it's like you said, James, it is it I, I love to see it because I said it in one of our previous podcasts, my Ken Norton mm. questions, they're still there because for me personally, some of 
But then, like I said, the second half was a lot better than the first. But in that first mm. half, when Wentz had so much time, there was mm. always a guy open. Mm. And it just stunk. I think I said it to you during the game, James. I said it just stunk of its whole, like the Pete Carroll kind of old way of doing things. And it's mm. like, stop doing it because it's really raising my blood pressure. Mm. It's winding me up. I mean, I think to be fair, I think you used a different word beginning with S than stunk. I will point that out. But it was yeah. along those lines, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying not to swear as much. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, stop swearing. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it just it was really niggling me, and that set my brother off. He was, oh my god, he was all over the place with it all. Um, but then I just said to him, let's wait till the second half because this is going to show what we're like, what we're going to be expecting. Because mm. some of it in the first half, I was like, oh, here we go. It's it's not looking great. But that's because the pass rush doesn't get going. The pressures wasn't get going, like I said before. And then the second half was completely different. Like, whilst my brother, in one of my brother's hot-headed rants, he was like, oh, they'll adjust and we won't adjust and then they'll run away. Well, we're going to get beaten, like, proper positive guy. <laughs> brother, <laughs> Michaela, if you're, not, if you're not getting this. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I just said, just wait and let's see, because it's going to show what we're... we're if we can adjust and they came out and they adjusted and then the second half was just like a totally different animal mm. he's like was it you Michaela who said I don't know who said did they need to have that yeah they need yeah. <laughs> they need to have that meeting that they had like after week eight uh now yeah. and I got I got a little uh pushback against that like what are we watching the same game and like yeah. I get it they, like I get it because overall, especially as you said, the second, like, they looked solid. But I'm, again, hold apparently too high of standards and expectations that every play needs to be on point. It's a good thing I'm not a coach because I'd lose my shit half the time. <laughs> um, so apparently I have too high of expectations and I need to cut a little slack, have a little grace. It's game one. They're working out their kinks. But I think there was two plays specifically that I'm like, you missed your assignment. There was miscommunication. Why are there two people on this guy and this guy's running free? And I'm sorry. Like, if I see that in one play, I'm going to have something to say about it and going to address it. So, yes, have that conversation now. Don't week, wait till week eight. Everybody needs to know their assignments. It's part of, right? That's part of getting better. So that's my opinion. Just take care of it now. Don't wait. Do you know what would be a good uh, podcast? Getting you and my brother on a live reaction podcast because over here for our football they yeah. do like live fan commentary that i think that would be gold because i, I can see you <laughs> two in a game would be exactly the same <laughs> it well, would be funny i didn't see you tweet michaela but i guess i can i can have a guess of the two players that you're potentially on about was it i guess one of them was the jamal adams bobby wagner one on the sideline was that that one, one. one of them and i Guessing potentially the one that Ugo Mardi gave up, maybe on the little false check down that he baited a little bit, or was it a different you one? No, my brother and I were texting about it because we had differences of opinion of who missed, who completely just stopped following their assignment. And we, he said it was Blair, and I thought it was Flowers, and maybe I assumed it was Flowers. Yeah, was, it was, it flowers. Not, was it not Trey? Was it not Trey? Yeah, was it Trey? Yeah, because my brother messaged me on the same thing, saying a lot of expletives get him off the field. 
I would have to go back and watch that play again to try to really see. It was hard because of the angle, you couldn't fully get the jersey number. You could just see it. I thought I saw a two and a one, but I might I might have missed. I'll, I'll go have well, to go back. Whilst you rage texting your brother. <laughs> right. And then we have a difference of opinion about who it was. And I was like, look, he goes, he sends me, my brother sends me a screenshot of the depth chart and circles Marquise Blair, number 27. I'm like, I know Blair is 27. I thought I saw 21. (laughs) (laughs) So we're sitting there, like, watching the game, like, don't send me the depth chart. I know my numbers. I just (laughs) didn't think I saw 27. Don't don't message me for 10 minutes. Just leave me alone. (laughs) I love my brother. He's also one of those guys um, that will be very like devil's advocate he likes he has different very different opinions about how things should be run so uh we have some fun conversations at times <laughs> uh, but yeah but before i let pez rip into to tray flowers because i know he's absolutely itching in his seat to rip into tray flowers no i'm not no i know you are so i will mention before we get onto him that i thought the run defense was again was very very good um, I thought limiting, I think Jonathan Taylor only had about 56 rushing yards um, and he only had a couple more yards receiving than that. So, But I thought the, the run defence, like I say, with Puna Ford, Brian Manane and even Al Woods and everything like that, I thought that has signs of being another top run defence in the NFL coming for this season. I don't know what anyone's thoughts on that were. I thought it was great because I traded Jonathan Taylor out because I was just, in my fantasy this is, yeah. so I traded him out but then I got Clyde Edwards-Alaire and that hmm, hmm. It didn't work I still, either. I still won my matchup, but yeah, no. That's no, you not. didn't. Not not against you. This is a different oh. one. That's oh, too right. sure that. I going to say. I'm Bloody, not letting no, you get away with that. Never am I putting a Niners player on my fantasy um. team ever again. <laughs> Molset couldn't just do two more points. Oh, could he? yeah. He, could, he couldn't just get two more. No, no. Yes, the fuck up. <laughs> no Niners. I've got Trey Sermon, but he can maybe redeem it. But I'll, no. you might want to pick up Elijah Mitchell if you haven't yet. See, mm. I don't know. I don't know because Shanahan's so weird that it wouldn't surprise me if my mate who's a Niners fan he turned around to me and he said, "Because I said everyone through the preseason was like Trey Sermon is like the guy. He's going to be number the number one running back." And he, his outlook on it is, he's not seen anything himself to say that he's not, but he reckons that Shanahan's seen the Lions game as like a fourth preseason game. He's kind of like, in a way, he's kind of gone, they're not that great, so I don't need to risk my rookie. And then let's see what Mitchell and Hasty have got. Mm. And Mitchell and Hasty go give them uh, special teams, apparently, whereas Sermon's more of a, just an out-and-out runner. So I'm going to hold on to the fact that he knows more than me, and hopefully he will take Mozart's place like everyone predicted he will, and then I'm going to be laughing. Well, yeah. I, I but off the fantasy, off the fantasy, we'll <laughs> go down a hole here. We're going to go down off it. Yeah, no, you take I'm talking to you about this off episode. there, James. Um, yeah, you do, man. You did um, this. You did this. Well, yeah, just because you said you won your matchup and I thought you were on about me and I thought I'm not going to let I've that I've got start. about five fantasies. I'm oh, playing Michaela you. next week. I'm playing Michaela this week. Oh, fair enough. And you smashed oh, it. You smashed I did. it. This, um, I'm not looking forward to this. I, I also have like 
four fantasies. I don't know why I'm telling you who to pick up. Um, I have like four <laughs> leagues. So I lost two, one, two this week. And one of them, I was just blown out because I had Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones in the oh. same team. And between the two is like five points, <laughs> well, which is just like, from... and I had Najee Harris on uh, mm-hmm. that team as well. And he only racked like five points. So yeah, it was just like, all right. So that's how we're starting, but it's game one. So right, again, so off of fantasy league. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll pull us back out of this. So yeah, so the, whole, so... the whole Jonathan Taylor, I was happy about yeah. it because obviously Everyone's raving about him this year to make a better leap and for us to completely shut him down. This explosive back. Because I remember everyone linked him to Seattle and he was like, I want to go to Seattle. I love how they play. And just to shut him down. I don't know whether it's because he plays similar to our backs. So it's like Mm -hmm. it's kind of easier to handle him because you have Chris Carson and things like that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I was very impressed because he was my biggest concern because like, you hear things like Pittman had a knock, um, T.Y. Hilton was out, um, Paris Campbell had a knock, and Paris Campbell's like the speed guy who could probably mm. break it to the house. Mm. So to know, and then he's like, right, so Jonathan Taylor's going to be the issue. To shut him down completely, that was brilliant. Oh, can't, yeah. Can't really complain with that, can you? Yeah, like you say, with with the receivers, not like you say, like T.Y. Hilton and, and, and guys like that who they had missing and relying on three sort of receivers who I don't think anyone would put in the sort of top 15, potentially even top 20 bracket, any, with, with all due respect to them. Um, you, you could tell that the Colts were going to heavily rely on, you know, the, the mix between Taylor and, and, and Zakeem Hines. Um, and I just thought we dealt with them absolutely brilliantly. Like you say, I thought, like you say, that, that, was, that was what was worrying me the most, Johnson Taylor and rightly so. But I just thought the way that the defensive line you know, with the run stopping, it was a, it was a trend that we saw last season that they they're one of the best units in in the NFL in in run defense, and just thought there's there's clear signs again to to go up against a, a Jonathan Taylor and and completely shut him down pretty much and 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 take him out of the game. I thought there's very very good positive signs that that's going to be another strong point of our defensive line going into this season. Um, so on the flip side, then defensive players um, who didn't potentially live up to the uh, the expectations in week one. Go on, because I know you're itching. I, no, no, no. I think that we, we we need to show Bobby and Brooks some love here. Yeah. I feel like, because, Mikhail, if you listen to any of our podcasts, ever since we started, I'm an avid Jordan Brooks. It's the first jersey I got. And there's nothing behind it except for, like, obviously, probably not as educated as people who break film. I just watch what people do and like, oh, I like that. And when he got drafted and everyone was losing their shit and being like, oh, Patrick Queen. I watched him. I was just like, he would be amazing. If I, what I'm watching here, he does that at the NFL level. He's going to be one of the best linebackers in years to come. Like mm. he will literally take over Bobby. And he showed it last year and people. And then all of a sudden, I don't know where it came from. All of a sudden, the offseason, people are like, oh, breakout guy, Jordan Brooks. It's like, oh, man, you're slagging him off halfway through the season because Patrick Queen had one good game. Give it a rest. But it's just good to see he's carried on where he's left off. And for me personally, I was watching him because I wanted to see with the break because he got momentum, the break, and then to start. And he just started where he left off. Brilliant. Like, 
I thought I thought it was brilliant. And my hot mm. take that Bobby Wagner's gonna be the leading tackler of the team is mm. gonna come true. It's gonna come true. I, I thought you were against Brooks, that hot take Brooks, last week though. No. I thought you I, said, uh, no, no. Go on. Yeah, Bobby's not going to be. You you and Chris yeah. said Bobby's going to be the leading, the leading tackler. Ta- yeah, so now you and think I it is not. gonna come true. Yeah, no, I said it's not going to be. Right. Yeah. But now he is. Because, no. You come you completely tonight. No, you just come you said Bobby Wagner's hot take that he's gonna lead the end lead no, the no. team in tackles. It's gonna come there's to a, there's audio. <laughs> there's audio proof that you might have said that. There is audio proof. <laughs> it's okay. We can We'll, we'll, we'll cut it. it out, right? So we'll start from here. Uh, I'm editing it. I'm not cutting it out. You just admitted that Bobby <laughs> Wagner's going to lead the team in tackles. Right, right. Chris said, "Well, Bobby's going to lead the lead, uh, lead the team in tackles," and yeah. I said, "No, he isn't." Right. And from what I watched on Sunday, no, you I think I'm going he is. to be right? No, I'm going to be right. Oh, you're going to all right. Jordan right. Brooks you know. is going to be if. It, Mikhail, I like to go around the roundabout when they explain things. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'm following. That's why off a podcast are two hours long, James. Just like... <laughs> just to, my brain's just trying to process your little riddle there. But um, yeah, no, no, Jordan Brooks, he, he was everywhere again, making plays, every, seemingly every every Colts offensive play. He, he was. The one I, I loved, it was at the start of the game and he was on the line and he shot through the line like a like a cannon but mm. Wentz just got it out because Wentz had the open guy in the midfield like in the open field mm-hmm. he's like check down whatever he just got it out quicker but Brooke literally was inches away from just t- completely mauling him and I thought oof because he did that really well at college the college level you didn't see it last year mm. because they had him more in coverage and doing them kind of things in his position but that's one of the best things he did at college when he gets freedom. Mm. But essentially that's kind of Bobby's job, isn't it? That's the middle linebacker's job to pick them decisions. So you might not see it again until like Bobby moves on and he takes his role. But if they start doing that with him more, people will be surprised how quick he can get through a gap. Like he's really fast. Oh, he, he must be the quickest linebacker in the NFL or, or in the top three mm. quickest linebackers in the NFL. He's sneaky fast. I think people don't yeah. realise how quick he truly... Well, Kyler Murray knows how quick he is. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't. I think most quarterbacks will know by the end of the season how quick he is. Um, but yeah, um, like I say, any, any defensive players for you, Michaela, that you potentially thought you could have offered a bit more or maybe underperformed in your eyes? Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers. Um, we had, to, we like, had to bring him up. He got beat on a touchdown pass. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just I just don't get it with no. him. No. And it's time to let somebody else step into that role to see what they can do. Now, I'm I'm interested in some of the guys we picked up here in the, you know, the last week of preseason uh Sydney Jones I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what he can do I heard John Reed has had a had some a few good practices mm-hmm. give first of all put put DJ Reed back on the side that he excelled at last year yeah do not pull him because you have a weak cornerback for for the left side yeah 
put him back on the right side. Let him be where he excelled and then figure out how to fill that gap on the left side. And that's my opinion about that. But yeah, Trey Flowers. Yeah, it, it, it's one that doesn't make sense to me. I think, it, it, from in my opinion, Trey Flowers is no further or no better uh, NFL cornerback than he was in his rookie season. I just haven't seen any development. He's making the same mistakes. He, he still can't. He hasn't improved his coverage. Like I say, he had a he had a better sort of second season. We all thought, finally, this is the Trey Flowers that we expected when we drafted. This is, you know, is he going to have a finally sort of breakout and, and sort of become a, a starting cornerback long term? And if you go into the third season or, or, or last season, and again, play was, was really poor, didn't make... I don't even I don't even know if he had an interception last season or, or even anything like that. No turnovers. Um, and, and did but, he play last year? Yeah, he didn't. Well, he didn't even really play, did he? Um, it, He'd fill in here and there, like you'd see him on the field yeah. occasion. Yeah. Except out. Yeah. <laughs> like like that kid you try to just uh, be nice to. Go on, son. I don't want to seem like we're just hating on him constantly every episode, but I just don't, I can't find anything. To, it's not like he doesn't just get interceptions or make the flashy plays. He doesn't even make tackles or sort of, it just, I just what, don't see him making any plays. Was it year, was it year, is year three when the wheels came off in the playoffs against the, Devontae Adams? Yeah, Devontae yeah. Adams destroyed, like, I honestly think they say for, like quarterback see ghosts and things like that. Mm. I on I think Devontae Adams just took his soul. Like he genuinely took his soul because mm. I said to my brother at the time, I said, because he's always he always looks like a guy who doesn't say much, like off off the field and things. He just looks like one of them guys who just comes to training and he's a bit like mm-mm, not like you. Jamal or even you mm. Andre who's like he's got they've got something about them. He looks like he has nothing about him, but mm. not in a nasty way. I don't mean that in like a mm. horrible way towards it. I just think he might be mm. a bit like unsure about what he can pretend like what he can truly do. Mm. And like he had that good second season, so then it boosted him into the third and he got absolutely destroyed. Yeah. And from that point on, he just he just doesn't look like he trusts himself anymore. And he's yeah. never regained that. I think that's his biggest issue for me. It's just like you look at him and you're unsure. You just look yeah. at look at his face when they pan in on him and you're like, yeah. you're, you're feeling anxious. You're like, oh my God, what the fuck's... Why, why is he looking at me? Like, And that's it with him. The project's done. Like, yeah. And, but yet... Well, and that's the reminder. He was he was a project at cornerback. He was a DB. Hmm. He was coming in from like a what, safety. Was he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And time. so he was never actually a true corner in college. Hmm. And so that was a project. And so I wonder, though, like, because none of us have actually seen his capabilities in a safety role. And I'm not saying that should be with the Seahawks by any means. We're set. We're solid. Yeah. And if anything <laughs> happens to Diggs, if anything happens to Adams, we got... I love me some Ryan Neal, but we also have Marquise Blair, right? Like he can play those roles too, but I'm wondering if it was a disservice to try to convert Trey Flowers for as long as they've tried to convert him to cornerback and not allow him the opportunity Mm. to see what he's capable of doing in maybe a position where he feels more comfortable and confident of 
being in the back, right? You're not lining up man to man. You're helping, you're seeing what's happening in front of you. He just can't, he can't stick to his man. He gets no. beat. Yeah. So he might be better in the, in the back, um, mm. in a safety role, but we just don't know what that capacity would even look like. And I think yeah. at this point it's kind of too late to try to go back and reclaim your position of saying, no, like, they tried to do this with me, but this is what I am. It might be too late for Trey Flowers with what teams have seen from him at this point. Mm. So. I think. Yeah. Do you know? Like, say, go on. I jump in there. I'll see what Michaela thinks of this because I said it in one of our previous podcasts when we were talking about the cornerback position. And for whatever reason, I don't know whether it's his height or what, but I just always thought I'd like to see what Ryan Neal could do at corner. I, I don't mm. know. There's just, I look at him, and I don't know if it's. I just get. You know, I, I'm not like comparing him to Sherman, but in physique, looking at him, he just reminds me of Sherman, and he has that attitude. He has that like you know, the dog attitude, undrafted, and he reminds you every single season. Like he could get the starting role at the Seahawks, and he'd still remind you he's undrafted and still act like a dog trying to mm. get after it, and. Mm. I said, I said it to James on the podcast we did, and I was like, I would have loved to have seen what he could have done. I know his coverage isn't great. Like, mm. I know he, he struggled with his coverage, but he just seems like one of them players who just will always improve. He'll always find that way to take himself to the next level. And I just thought it would have been interesting because he's a dog as well, and that's what you kind of yeah. want at the end of the day. What's the Seattle need in that secondary is essentially what they've got. They've got Diggs and... Um, Jamal now, you've got the shit talker and the hard hitter essentially yeah, even though Jamal much. does his hard hits but he is the shit talker yeah. and then Diggs doesn't really talk, he just hits everyone <laughs> you've got DJ Reed who is, this, is, is the same, he doesn't talk, he just hits people mm-hmm. and I agree with Michaela he needs to go back where he excelled before you destroy him as well mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. don't put him out of position when he was so good at that position get one yeah. of your Band of merry men you've got in, in in the bloody fifty three, and find one of them to fill that hole. Because mm-hmm. Trey Flowers ain't it. I don't understand why Pete no. believes and believes I... in him so much. Like, oh, he had he had the best training camp he ever had. Well, his best training camp he's ever had is probably same as a top a bottom tier cornerback yeah. at this at this point, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. Like I say, and I think it's an interesting point that obviously Michaela brings up about him obviously transitioning from from safety to corner coming out of college, and I think potentially just sort of mixing both your points together, but and with obviously yours being the Michaela's being the transitioning from safety to cornerback, and yours pairs about his sort of you know his character and being a bit more quiet. I've sort of wondered a little bit, and it's interesting that you brought it up because I have come, like wondered about this a little bit, but never really sort of mentioned it. I think they might have sort of looked at his character a little bit because when I when I look at Jamal Adams and I look at Quandre Diggs from the safety position it's pretty much you, you just you're playing behind the linebackers really and and it, it's that sort of in terms of the secondary you're the safeties are like the the field generals they're the ones barking out the orders to to the, like the linebackers behind them to the to the corners it's it the corners just they have their man they line up against them and you know they're they're assigned to you know the receiver and everything Whereas the safeties, I think they see more of the field. They're in the middle. They, they feel like they need to be more sort of like say more barking out orders and, and instructions. And I think if you were to put Trey Flowers 
in a safety position in the middle of the field, look, ju look, judging by his character and judging by how he how he acts on the field, I don't see Trey Flowers being sort of a leader on the defense in terms of his his voice and his and his like say barking out those type of orders. I don't know what I don't know if you think I've got a point there or anything. I might be completely wrong, but. Um, I, I just don't see Trey Flowers, like you say, being that guy who just sort of like he's not he's not a Jamal Adams, he's not a Quandre Diggs, and I think you you see the benefits of 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 the talking and and the the instructions and the and the big characters in the safety position more than you do in the cornerback position. I it, I, I don't know, I, I might be completely wrong, but I, I just thought I'd throw that out there. I think of somebody like Marquise Blair, who was also a safety, but very yeah. quiet. Um, yeah, he played at Utah State, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, with Barton, Cody Barton, and they both got drafted the same year, I believe, to the Seahawks. But mm -hmm. he's somebody who you can have a quiet leader who has yeah. a presence. Think about Cam Chancellor, like dude mm -hmm. lit people up. Mm -hmm. Very, very good safety. Yeah, and yeah. you almost would think he's a linebacker with where he'd play in the field. <laughs> but you can have a very dominating presence and be quiet, right? There's, mm. there's something to be said that's different about kind of like that unsure, like yeah. presence. So I, th I just, in comparison, like I agree with you that Trey flowers doesn't have that feel mm. now. Marquise Blair, even last year, I was so devastated when mm. he went out. Cause mm. I, I was just like, man, this he's going to rock it. Yeah. And I think that he has the potential to make some very hard hits. That's yeah, a huge probably. reason why they picked, like, just, I think he's worked out with Cam Chancellor and that. Mm. But you can have somebody who's quiet and be in a leadership position and be able to manage the field and call out plays and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But when it's somebody who has come off and been, it seems like they're unsure or they're seeing ghosts from yeah. um, Adams and the Packers, maybe not the position that like he wouldn't be able to step into that role not at this point in his career mm. could could you imagine we have the bye week we go to green bay and pete's still rolling with trey flowers Devontae adams is just going to put his slippers on and just going to that's the thing because it, it zach with all due respect zach pascal michael Pittman, and um i can't even, who was the other receiver called Paris Campbell. Um, with all due respect, I don't think any, like I said, no NFL fan outside of Indianapolis would put any of those three receivers in the top 15 or maybe even top 20 receivers in the NFL. And Trey Flowers just, he, he, Zach Pascal toyed with him at times. And I just thought if, if, if that's how those type of receivers, those good but not elite receivers are making him look, You've seen what happens when he comes up against Devontae Adams and Mike Evans or AJ Brown next week. He's got Julio Jones next week. You know, how, how much how much of a liability could he be if, if the team does have Super Bowl aspirations again? Him, him I do versus... have to say... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I saw... Was it... There was a tweet from, you know, one of the reporters, and it was basically like, I don't know where the stat came from, but like... Trey Flowers only gave up like three receptions for like 47 yards. And I was just like, wait, am I, did I read that right? <laughs> so like, it's kind of interesting, right? Because are we being too hard on Trey Flowers or is it, I don't know. I, I, I I'm not I saying that we I should keep him in that role. I jump in Oh, sorry, Michaela. I'm no, trying to ahead. jump in every 10 seconds. <laughs> um, 
I do know what you mean um, about us being too harsh, but like I don't think the secondary as a whole, we don't know anything about them lot yet. Like, like we don't know about DJ Reed on the opposite side. We don't know about Trey Flowers, but if it's bad, it might we're gonna get found out next week. If mm. if Trey Flowers, like I was just gonna point out, um, the uh, Michaela said about you don't need to be vocal, but you can have an air about you, and mm. that is that that sums it up perfectly with Trey Flowers. He has he just has this deflated air about him, and then mm. you got Marquise, who's like he doesn't speak, but he just goes and hits. Yeah. He's got that energy, and, hasn't he? Yeah, I like I like that. That's that sums it up perfectly. But let's face it, Tannehill's not going to be scared to throw on us. No, especially if our run defense holds Derek Henry like the cards do. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine AJ? I I'm not like touch wood because I'm going to shoot us all in the foot here. But I'm not buying this Julio Jones thing anymore. He didn't really do much last year. Like mm-hmm. has he like touch wood that I'm not going to shoot us in the foot? But has he got much left? Has he? Has he? He walked into the Titans injured. Mm. Like, come on. Has he actually got much juice left? He was the number one target for Matt Ryan for so many years. And essentially, when you're the number one target with not really many targets around you, you get battered a lot. Mm. So your career expectancy, like Megatron, goes down, in my opinion. Mm. And I just don't know whether we're seeing this with him now. Like, don't get me wrong, we're going to get absolutely smoked because he's going to go and kill Trey Flowers <laughs> and destroy him. But in the same in the same respect, we know what he can do. Yeah. And we know what A.J. Brown can do. Yeah. A.J. Brown loves mocking a cornerback by jumping over them, grabbing the ball, and then just look at making them look like a tit. Like, it mm. scares me that Trey Flowers is going to be on the field against two monsters like that. Yeah, it, it just... Like, it worries me. Because mm. let alone DJ Reed, even though he balled out last year and he's shown it against some tall receivers last year, like it, the only benefit he's got is he has DK in practice to go against. Mm. But like, come on, man. Competitive form yeah. going for it, AJ Brown. Height different, size different, weight different. It, it'll, mm. I think it'll be interesting to see. It'll only be a matter of time, in my opinion, until until Sidney Jones gets on the field. Um, I'm not saying he's the next sort of elite corner, but but I think he's shown in in batches with his time at the Jaguars that he can cover some of the best receivers in the NFL. So I just think, you know, even if he offers something different, I think as soon as he's learnt the playbook, I think we can all be in agreement that he's not going to play any worse than Trey Flowers is currently at the cornerback position. So let's just get him on the field. See what he can do. Even, even like say, even John Reed. I know they picked up Bless on Austin from the Jets as well, who, who played quite a bit of time with the Jets last season. Just let's just change it up. Let's just see what these new guys can do. Because even if it doesn't, even if they don't take the position and 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 sort of run with it, it it's teams have got enough film on Trey Flowers now to know how to exploit him. If we were to bring a Sidney Jones in or a John Reed or a Bless on Austin or even someone further down the depth chart. If What's he brings someone his in, name? What's that you are. What's that oh, Nigel Warrior. Oh, Warrior. Yeah, I want to see I'm him. All, all, he's, on the, about him. he's on injured reserve right now for the first yeah. three weeks, I believe. I think he oh, is, yeah. I'm excited to see him. 
Do you know what? And... Ravens on Twitter through Chris, um, mm. Steve and Raven fans. I saw a few tweets saying around like um, that. Yeah, he's good. And the Ravens have kind of got unlucky because Peters went down with the ACL. So essentially what I saw was if he was still there, he'd be starting for them right now. That's the kind of level he's at. So he was just behind him. Mm. But because of the depth in the team, he was a casualty and they were hoping to get him back. So it'd be good to see what he can do. I mean, talking about this might be a bit of a... This might be a bit of a root, uh, sort of an inappropriate joke, but it, talking about seeing ghosts, we could always bring Michael Jackson back and, and put him on because we've got Michael Jackson now, haven't we? So we could all we could always bring him back on the field, couldn't we? And that that that'd throw a team, surely. Do you know what, James? Right? <laughs> when you said this, I was like, is he taking the piss? Like, there's no one on this team called Michael Jackson. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I, like every I look at it every day. Like on Instagram, there's a few pages and they're really good with keeping up with the news. It's like, I would have seen that. He's taking piss out of me, this Michael Jackson situation. <laughs> and then I looked at it and there is a guy called Michael Jackson. Yeah, there is, yeah. And he's, he's Seattle's next cornerback one. That's who he is. Do you know it's what? A... Could you imagine next cornerback one and his celebrations, the moonwalk every oh, single time gosh. for the next 10 years? Oh, God. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. Um, but yeah, any, so any, anyone else then? Anyone else on the defence that we feel... Either well, I'll say either praise or or sort of negativity. Is there anyone that we haven't mentioned? Go on. Uh, not negativity. Go on. Uh, except for towards Pete or Ken Norton, whoever did right. the rotation. Uh, Alton Robinson only getting what was it, twelve reps? That was Pissed a bit. me yeah. off. Uh, yeah. he, honestly, what you doing, man? Last year he showed every time he got on the field, he made something happen. He got on the field on Sunday and he made things happen. Mm-hmm. What does Pete Carroll and Ken Norton need to do to realise he needs to get more? Like, him and Daryl Taylor, as young speed guys, like I said, the cheater, your speed, getting them two together could be absolutely crazy. Like, it could be baffling, mm-hmm. but... I, th- I think the problem is that they signed Carlos Dunlap to a, a two-year extension for a lot of money, and I'm not saying drop Carlos Dunlap by any stretch of the imagination, but I just think there's a few guys, and even Kerry Hyder, that they just want to get the money's worth out of, essentially. Maybe, know. like for me personally, I would have said like, yeah, because if am I right in is Kerry Hyder an end, or does he play on I the think inside? By, by trade, he's a defensive end, but I think you could probably line yeah. him up on the inside as well. Um, I was thinking more Mayoa, but then Mayoa had himself a game, so I'm a bit mm. like, all right, I'll back from that. But it is hard, like, that, mm. but it's great at the same time. Yeah, yeah. As long as he doesn't get dejected and he's happy to keep on proving himself, eventually he's going to prove himself to a point where he's going to have to play because I just feel like you put him with the right personnel on that line. He's he's just a monster, man. Mm-hmm. Like. He does it every single time he gets opportunities, but he needs more than twelve. Like he needs more than twelve snaps. You think they wait until to put that package out, right? That cheetah package until third down when they're like, okay, let's just bring bring the speed. Mm-hmm. And so you're keeping their legs fresh. They're not getting tired. You have that for the whole longevity of the game. Is this strategy versus 
hey, we know we have legit guys, but we need to be smart with how we utilize them. Mm. Potent- yeah. Potentially, yeah. I, I do think sometimes, like, I like to think outside the box and not think of everything straight as it looks. And I do think to myself sometimes, especially with Pete and the way he is, um, sometimes I just think, like, they know they've got a really good guy there. But why... Why not stash him whilst he's young, and mm. we've got all these old guys doing really good, and then when when the game we're in a tough situation and they're like, right, well, we know what he can do, we know what he can do, we know what he can do, we know well, we don't who's this guy, we don't really know much about him, and then he breaks out. I do sometimes look at it from that perspective, even though they probably don't look at it like that, but I do think that. If it's because of that, then I get fully on board with that. I get fully on board with things like that, like you know, like not destroying the Colts like they could have done, and giving away Shane Baldwin's playbook in one game when we've got sixteen, seventeen games left. Hmm. Um, it's just annoying though because you want them guys on all yeah. the time, don't you? Yeah, of course you do. Um, should we finish off with some hot takes then before the uh, after after week one? Has anyone got any? Uh... Any opinions? You first. You first. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. Daryl Taylor has ten sack season. Ooh. I like it. Right, James. She's she's lit the mic on fire. You might as well just blow it up. Yeah, you love a good. No, I think that's a. I think that's a very very decent hot take. I think if next safe Daryl Taylor can stay healthy and, and and stay fit. I think he's shown that he's got those pass rushing abilities to to get up to to possibly double digit sacks. I think I think that's one to watch, and I don't think that's too far fetched at all, really. Um, but no, I, I, I like that starting off strong. I like it. I will go with um, maybe it's just in reaction to his his one of his standout games again last night, but I, it's not Rasheem Green, but I think Brian Monet possibly could be an outside shot as a pro bowl candidate if he if he continues his his season i thought i thought he was thought he was exceptional last night there, there you go michaela that's <laughs> that's james for you in a hot take scenario go on i know you're gonna better me though so go on do you know what i'm a bit i don't know i'm struggling here you know i was thinking then oh gosh anyone else got one I mean, you could say Trey Flowers makes all pro. That's that's pretty. No, uh, no, no. I'm not. not, That's not even a hot take. What is that? (laughs) It's a death wish. (laughs) Sign your life away if it doesn't come true. Um, I'm uh, I'm stuck here. I gave all Wilson fifty plus touchdowns. Good show. Like it. How far's how far's Russ away from breaking Peyton Manning's touchdown record. Still a significant amount, isn't it? Oh, well. I think so. Yeah. Are you talking within the first 10 years breaking that? Like, within 10 yeah. years, he's reached this touch. I want to say it's not that many. He's, like, I almost guarantee you he'll break that this season. Like, I don't think it's that many more. Yeah. For- the most in the 10 seasons. Do you know what? Russell Wilson has a 5,000-yard-plus season. Ooh. 
join in. Um, Winston, Mahomes, who else has done one? Brady's done one, hasn't he? Brady's done one. Um, I think that's about it. I can't yeah. really think of. I can't, I can't think of any. No, I like that one. Um, I need to think of another one. I know you do. Um, that was weak. Come on. Um, what takes? I mean, I'll I'll go with uh, I'll go with Dwayne Brown making All Pro as well. I think that's a uh, I think that's a reasonable reasonable hot take. I think he's uh, I thought he was excellent again at left tackle on his on the back of his. Uh, his, his his holdout has ended. He's he's coming to the season. I think he I think he like PFF wise, I think he was got an eighty seven grade, which like I said, take everything with a pinch of salt when it comes to, to PFF. Um but no, I could see Dwayne Brown having a having an all pro season, um, potentially at left tackle. Have you got one, Pez? Here you are, I've got one. Well, I've got one. Chris Carson stays healthy all year. That's a hot take in itself, that. In yeah. itself. But yeah. with it doing it, because of the numbers he puts up, makes all pro as a running back. <laughs> Chris Carson, the all pro running back, it has a ring to he, it. I don't know what it is about him, but his off season workouts and the way he played against the Colts, he just, I don't know, I get a different feeling about him this year. I'm confident he's going to stay healthy. And me and my brother have said for a couple of years, if Chris Carson stays healthy into the playoffs, because he's never really been healthy, if mm. they keep him healthy into the playoffs, the Seahawks go to the championship game. Without a doubt. Without oh, he's a doubt. A, he's a massive We've always part said of the offense, isn't he? If he stays healthy, we go to the championship game. Whether we win that or not, I don't know. But obviously the way we started, Super Bowl champions already, aren't we? In your book we are, mate, yeah. Um, well, we, the power rankings say it as well. They've all shot themselves. Are we, are we, we number one? The top, we're um, third now. We are were we like some were eleven, some were eight, some were wow. nine, some were ten. All of them straight to straight to third. Panicking, panicking like on the Russ. Panicking, panicking um, on the Russ boss. I didn't do a. I, 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 we did one. Obviously, we did the hot takes in the last episode. I didn't do one. Chris obviously said Jamal Adams would lead the team in interceptions, and I refuted that. But I think I will go with his partner again. I think Quandre Diggs will lead the team in interceptions, and I also think Quandre Diggs, will he go one better than Pro Bowl? I don't know. Um, I think that's a bit too much of a stretch to say Diggs is, is all pro, but I think Diggs, again, leads the team in interceptions. Pro Bowl season for Mr. Dick. You taking you taking the piss? What? Pro Bowl all day long. Yeah, no, I mean like the, the step to All Pro. No, oh, I, I was going to say lead the All intercept. Pro all day long. Do you do you reckon Quandria Diggs All Pro this season? You disrespectful. That's not disrespect. He's never gonna, been All Pro. I'm gonna I'm gonna snippet this out. And I'm gonna send it him and go. This is what this this is what this lad from you. England saying about you. Yeah, well, he'll block you then, won't he? He might block <laughs> he me, won't he? Me well, he'll probably block me, won't he? Um, Go on, oh, Michaela, yeah. have you got another? Uh, man, I think that Tyler Lockett will have a 1,400-yard season. Ooh. Ooh. Fully healthy. There's 17 games this year. True. Oh, true. true. But Didn't is he going to stay healthy? Look, 
he he's racked up like what a couple one thousand yard or yard seasons in the last few years. I think I think even if he doesn't stay healthy, if he happens to need to sit for a game, or, I I think I think he's going to get a fourteen hundred yard season. Nice, if, nice. if he keeps if he keeps That's catching sixty nine yard passes, then he'll, yeah. he'll be there by week ten or something. Well, he's no, already I mean, got over you know hundred yards. So yeah, I know he masters isn't that good, but um, no, yeah, I, I think that's uh, again another very achievable one. I think I think if he does, I think you'll see Ty Lockett again potentially make All Pro. I've got one. Go on, because we're coming in. We're going to be coming into a period, aren't we, where we're going to have a lot of throwing teams, like. Mm. If we can handle Derrick Henry, that's going to be a throwing game. So there's going to be loads of opportunities for interceptions. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that stretch. I'm going to say that Marquise Blair, like I love myself a bit of Ugo Amadi, love Mm. him. But rightly so, Marquise Blair deserves a starting spot. It's his spot. Like, stop messing around, Pete, with this competition in regular season. That's a bit weird, but so Blair's going to win out, and he's going to lead the team in interceptions. Oof, no, that is a hot take. That that is, uh, I think your room's on fire now, isn't it? Marquise Blair leading the team, and it's all right. Okay, no, I like yep. it. I like it. I like you going there. I'll, I'll throw this question. This is a hot take question then for all three of us to end it. Who do we think is going to lead the team in sacks this season? If there's, if there's someone in your opinion that you think will lead the team in sacks, I do you know what? I'll, I'll I'll start with you, Michaela, and I'll I'll leave mine until last. Well, if my hot take was Daryl Taylor, I'm just gonna have to stick with him. Yeah. So Daryl Taylor. Daryl Taylor leads the team in sacks for Michaela Pez. Who who do you think is gonna lead the team in sacks? Can I agree? You can agree, I suppose. Yeah, I think he like that's one game. Of regu- like of his first proper competitive NFL, mm. and he's only just going to get better. He's only just going to find better ways, better technique. He's going to turn a corner a lot smoother, quicker, faster. Mm-hmm. And if he's doing that already in one game, yeah, I think with your Dunlap and then your guys in the middle, I think it's just going to open more and more and more opportunity for him. Yeah, I don't think they'll be able to handle him. No, it's fair enough. I think mine's a little bit more of a, a boring pick, I suppose. But I think say John Radigan. I'm not saying John Radigan. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not. I ain't going that far yet. Um, he'll lead the linebackers in in sacks, though. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. I want you. He. I will say, if he stays healthy, 17 games, he's still got the production. I. I I'll, I'll go with Benson Mayowa leading the team in sacks. I. I he, He's still such a such a force off that edge for me, and mm. and I know that's a bit more of a stretch than maybe Daryl Taylor, but I, I just Vince Mayo always seems to make have a sack a game every game. I know he doesn't obviously, but it always seems like it. He's there or thereabouts, half sacks, sacks. He makes plays every game. Yeah, um, Rasheem Green, I think, would be runner up for me. Yeah, just Rasheem after Green. seeing us, like yeah. Mayo. I agree. He's been solid. He's quick. Mm-hmm. He still has that burst, but and if they put Alton Robinson on, I would obviously say Alton Robinson. Yeah, but I can't say that that's going to happen when they only play him twelve snaps a game. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, 
if we if we see if we're getting the potential what we have been waiting for from Machine Green in this new line, then to be honest, I think he could probably take the whole team. I think he could lead it all because if he takes that production and carries on through the whole year, he's only going to get better. But then how scary is that to think about? You've got Daryl Taylor with so much upside. Machine Green's looking like he's starting to hit what we expected for so long. Then you've got your old dogs, Myowa, mm. Hyder, and them boys. It gives you the feels of back in 2012, 2013, what Pete and John created yeah. with ultimate depth along that line. Don't get me wrong, at tackle, I think they're a bit thin. Mm. That, well, I think uh, what's if, if you read into the reports, I think Gino Atkins potentially yeah. could come in and sort that I think, problem out. I think it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Like, obviously, you've got LJ Collier, and then people are saying, like, oh, trade him out and get a good corner, use him as bait for cornerback. Mm. But I don't think they're going to do that. Because no. Pete always goes on about if you've got a good pass rush, it kind of protects your secondary. So he'd rather roll with all these guys up front mm. and then get some serviceable guys at the back. Yeah. I mean, but what, what would you even get really for LJ? And I know you could package him in some form, but. I think. I think the only player out there who's realistic would be uh, Gilmore. Mm. But Doesn't then again. Really Injury prone, though, you know, is it? Is he injured know. or is he? Well, yeah, that's another thing, isn't it? Because people are saying, is he actually as injured as they're making out, or is it a case that he wants a new deal, they don't want to give it him, mm. so they're kind of like, oh, he's got, he's, he needs to go on short term IR. He's the mm. only guy out there. He's the only guy I can possibly think of who John would pull out of the hat. In terms of the big names, yeah. That mm. I, I could, I, obviously, I think saving Howard's price tags too much. I think, yeah, it, it, it's the only real one that you could potentially acquire, really, realistically. Um, but no, unless anyone else has got any hot takes, I think that wraps it up nicely. No? Okay. Before we, oh, oh God, you've got to jump one in before we finish. Go on. I, I beat Michaela this weekend on fantasy. All right. That is a hot take. It is a hot take because your team's really good and mine is absolute <laughs> garbage. So, <laughs> fair enough. It, I, I gave Chris a load. I gave Chris a load, and I got my ass handed to me. So, uh, I'm not looking forward to this. Who's your, who's your quarterback, Pez? Trevor Lawrence. Is it Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> I hope not. One minute, let me have a look. Oh, you, you are losing then. Oh, wait, no, no, it hasn't changed over yet for what's happening next week. Never mind, that was this week. Right. Don't tell me you've got, like, Garoppolo. I've got my ass handed to me by, by 41 points by Chris. <laughs> oh, because? Oh, it was ugly, man. It was so ugly. He had Russell Wilson. I had Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, mean, I just, he like, he just, I thought he'd rack up some points, but yeah, I'm, I'm a bit screwed because this league's so good. There is no one to pick up. So my only backup is Tua, and I'm crying at that a little bit now. Ryan Fitzpatrick has got more points on his driving license than he has in your fancy <laughs> team. I, I don't, what, why on earth? What, what was the thought process there, man? Um, 
Well, no, yeah. Um, before we let you go, obviously, Michael, I think we'll let you do a little uh, shout out for your new podcast coming out because I think you're, you're, you're venturing into the world of podcasting yourself, aren't you, very soon? I am. So I'm hoping that I can record and launch the first podcast by next week. Okay. And so for those of you listening, if you're interested in giving me a follow on Twitter, the Twitter handle is PNW Showdown. So it's Pacific Northwest Showdown. Um, and really excited to see where it goes. I'm going to be specifically talking about, you know, Pacific Northwest sports. So mm-hmm. whether it's college, whether it's, you know, the Seahawks, the Kraken, Seattle mm-hmm. Storm, you know, I'm trying to incorporate some of those those uh, professional teams as well. Um, I'm just really excited about its potential and just mm-hmm. want to make sure I have all my ducks in a row before I start launching the first one, make sure I have everything yeah. uh, good to go. So give me a little bit of time and we'll get up and running. Oh, super. So obviously, as soon as that comes out, we'll obviously we'll uh, we'll shout out again on the podcast, and if we can all go and uh, go and follow Michaela and get ready for a podcast coming out, that'd be that'd be brilliant. Um, so no, once again, thanks very much for joining us again tonight, Michaela. Uh, very much enjoyed your presence, your hot takes, your opinions. It's all been very very interesting. Um, so yeah, no, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. No, no problem. Anytime. Thanks again, mate, Pez, for joining us tonight. As always. Yeah, it was good. Good fun. Good chat. Of course it was, mate. Always is. We only have fun. Um, with a couple of blunders along the way, yeah. With a couple of blunders and a couple of uh, <laughs> couple of hot takes that got the eyebrows raised as well, as always. But uh, you didn't beat your record, though, for Pete Carroll. 17 minutes, I was checking. You didn't beat your six-minute record. Yeah, positive. positive. New season, new Pez. New positive it's because, Pez. It's because anyone who listens thinks that I must hate Pete Carroll because, I, as a guy, I love him. Like... Mm. You, you can't not like him. He's so charismatic, this, that, and the other. It's just some of the things he does now really wearing thin with his team. But after that week, hopefully, fingers crossed. We're positive all good, aren't Pez. We? Come on, positive Pez. Here we go. Fingers Win the Super crossed. Bowl. Fingers crossed. No, thanks again, everyone. Win the Super really Bowl. I'm going to have to write him a letter and apologise for all my wrongdoings. Send him a nice, uh, send him a nice twenty pound M and S gift card in there as well. Yeah. What's this? I don't know. Just start a swear jar and save up for something nice for him. I don't know. Send him a a retirement slip. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for the second ring. Can you just sign this, please? Positive positive Pez lasted all of 10 seconds at the end of the podcast there. I love it. But no, thanks again, everyone. Really enjoyed it. And uh, looking forward to to chatting to the Ox again with you next week about the Titans. Thanks again. Good night. See you later. Night. See you later.